0: What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire.
1: That was just BS.
2: It is time to get a new perspective.
0: We know just what you need, and we've got Just the Cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Super Tuesday, beautiful Tuesday. I mean, it's cold, it's a little bit wet, it's rainy, but it's Tuesday, and at least it's not snowing. I mean, that's something to look forward to, at least, right? I mean, that's that's how we look at it right now. Welcome back to the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio, uh, broadcasting live. Across the world on the internet at michaeldukeshow.com, or you'll find links to everything that you need there, the stream, the podcast, the social media sites, and, of course, uh, broadcasting live around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and welcome to it. Tuesday is our day for the deep dive. Day for the... The deep dive. Yes, the deep dive today. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is going to be coming on board with us today. We're going to be talking about, uh, well, the top three, three different things. Question about whether or not the Department of Revenue is being politicized, uh, whether the uh, tests uh, that are required for responsible bud- budgeting and how Alaska policy form who we're kind of fans of in this show, it doesn't always get it right. And finally, the issue of the Cook Inlet and the Cook Inlet uh, uh, gas issue and how that is a problem that doesn't need to be subsidized, in Brad's opinion. So we'll get his take on those things, see if we agree or disagree with that today. Uh, could, could be either or. Uh, it's not always a kumbaya around here when it comes down to that. Um, so it should be uh, an interesting discussion uh, here this morning. Um, all right, so we're ready to rock and roll, ready to go and let's uh, dive into it and see what you guys uh, see what you guys have to say uh, about what is happening this morning uh, as we go. Um, all right, let's uh, let's jump into some headlines. Oh, Chris story, by the way, going to be joining us uh here in our two Chris story hour two uh he'll be joining us and giving us the weekly positivity update and we'll you know we'll get our we'll get our we'll get our thing on we'll get our uh we'll get our life coaching lesson on here as we go through so um what is the uh what is the story? What is the story uh, for uh, the headlights? There's a couple different ones out here. Uh, for those of you who are light watchers, love the the Aurora watchers, the storm chasers, the solar storm chasers, Thursday, eh, you should expect quite a show. And in fact, on Thursday, the Aurora is going to be visible. In 17 northern American states, uh, according to the Geophysical Institute up in Fairbanks at the UAF, uh, they have forecast auroral activity for Thursday that will be visible all the way across the country from Washington, Oregon, all the way over to Maryland and Maine. Um, 17 states, uh, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, New York, New Hampshire, Vermont, Indiana, Maine, and Maryland. So if you've got relatives over there, tell them to uh, stay up Thursday night because they are expecting it to be a, just a, a, a spectacular show. Um, they said the, um. Uh, Lights are expected to be able to be seen all over the place. The uh, NOAA says that the uh, people wanting to experience the aurora should get away from city lights and that the best viewing time should be between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. local time. Uh, Now, the auroras are ranked on a scale called the KP, uh, KP Index. Uh, and the uh, the scale being from zero to nine, zero obviously being nothing, and nine being the sky is on fire, right? Uh, so the Geophysical Institute has forecast Thursday for a KP index of six. So uh, on the upper end of the scale, it should be it should be kind of beautiful. And uh, I know in Fairbanks, not quite getting dark up there. Uh here in South Central, it's starting to get dark right around midnight now. So maybe we'll have some uh maybe we'll have some beautiful auroras to uh to witness on Thursday. I mean I'll probably still be asleep because four thirty comes four thirty comes awfully early in the morning. Uh so I'll probably still be asleep, but we'll see. Maybe I'll stay up a little bit or set an alarm to get up and look out the bathroom window or something just to uh view the northern lights but it it and I guess it depends on whether or not we still got this cloud cover so but Thursday nights if you are experiencing or expecting a dark sky or clear sky rather and a dark night then uh the aurora will be for you on that night and of course anywhere else in the northern you so tell all your friends tell all your friends you want to know what it's like to live here this is where it's all at right here well, uh, fire season is nearly over. Um, I mean, a fire season officially usually ends um, at the end of July. That's what that's what we're told. Uh, fire season normally ends the end of July. And it's been a pretty quiet one across the state. I guess, if anything, this is the only positive when it comes to this weird, I mean, we've had like the ninth wettest, uh, ninth wettest uh, spring and summer since they recorded it. You know, yada yada yada. But uh, see, at this time last year, three million acres of woodlands had already burned in Alaska. As of this time last year, as of this year, as of Monday, yesterday, only fifteen hundred acres had burned that's a significant difference. Um, the state has responded in uh, in total this season to 151 different fires and currently um, stands at level one preparedness. At this moment, there's only one fire that's actually being staffed by uh, forestry and firefighting people, and that is the Lake George fire off the uh, highway between Delta and Toke. Um, but... The fires have been quiet. The rain, on its other hand, has been anything but. Here in South Central, we've experienced the seventh wettest start to the summer, and it has been the wettest summer in nine years. Um, with the current weather pattern, it's believed that the fire season's not going to pick up. And according to the National Park Service, the Alaska fire season, as I said earlier, ends in late July. Um the low fire season's been a blessing for other areas in North America. Canada is currently undergoing a historically active fire season. Uh, on the federal level, Alaska's been able to send 100 firefighters and support personnel to Canada to help. That includes the hotshot crews that are normally very busy here in the state, um, and it's been uh, it's been a good uh, it's been a good year for that. But yeah, normally 3 million acres by this time, only 1,500 acres this year. So. Uh, There's a silver lining. Every cloud has a silver lining, and that's where they are right now. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, do I have time to talk about this? I don't have time to talk about. I would love to, um, but I just don't really have time to get into it and do it justice. I guess I will mention this. Uh, because I saw that. Uh, saw that this was happening, and for those of you who are traveling down in the. uh, Skagway area or doing some things. Maybe you're planning on hiking the Chilku Trail this year. Uh, this may or may not have an effect on what's going on. A union representing the operators, engineers, and brakemen of the White Pass and Yukon Railroad um, have decided that they are going to strike. The, uh, the union uh, authorized to strike towards the beginning of the month, citing years of unaddressed complaints from the White Pass and Yukon Route Railman, uh, the general manager of the uh, union said "The it's been six years since they've had a, any kind of raise or an increase, which, to which I said, well, welcome to the party, pal. Um, anyway, they said the, uh, the railroad has been doing some changes and some things, and they're actually accusing the railroad of wanting to essentially eliminate the brakeman position, which apparently would be uh, – uh, disinv- dis- disadvantageous to uh, many uh, who are there. The union won't be able to officially go on strike until a 30 day cooling off period is completed. The union and the company were assigned a national mediator, but discussions ended in a stalemate. They're still hoping that they can come to some kind of agreement. The railroad is celebrating its 125th anniversary, dating to the time when the construction began on the railroad. Which uh the daring construction of the, if you've ever ridden the White Pass and Yukon Railroad, it is an amazing trip. Um, but they uh, the daring construction of the project began uh, prior to 1900 and was completed officially in 1900. It climbs over 3,000 feet. Um, White Pass Railroad did not respond to requests from KTUU for comments on this, but more information more stuff it's good all right hey look we're coming up on it and um i'm ready to get into the um uh, i'm i'm getting ready to uh to dive into the weekly top three brad keithley alaskan for sustainable budgets is going to be joining us here in just a hot second and we are ready to go let's do this the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We'll return with a weekly top three. See what Brad has to say about some of these topics or whether or not we agree with him. And we will be back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thinking Radio.
0: You missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes on Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukeshow.com.
2: Okay. Whew. All right. I saw something early on about no audio or something, but apparently it's back, or I don't know. Everything's working on my end might be you. (laughs) I could never do anything wrong. Anything wrong. It's all on you guys. It's all on you guys here. Uh, Let's see. Shout out to Nona's Osteria. Small restaurant in Wasilla. Really good food. I've been hearing about some really good restaurants around Wasilla lately uh, that I've got to go check out. Uh, There's another one up on. There's another little small place. Uh, up on uh, is it church in selden uh, where they do southern food like most like some cajun and things like that where it's all small batch and they do it in small batches and they do it they sell it until they sell out and then they move on and everything else it's so cool um anyway nonas oyster one block off parks highway tommy mo turn right behind tailgaters Uh, Her pizza oven is from Italy. She makes her own pasta. Her pizza is not normal. She imports the spices, yada, yada, yada. That sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds delicious. Um, Aren't they having mudslides in Skagway? I don't, I mean, it just seems like it's, yeah, I don't know. Okay. All right. Uh, Anthony says, I hope the negotiations for the uh, white pass in Yukon, he goes, I hope the negotiations don't go, summons ultimate dad powers, off the rails. (laughs) I can't I can't wait. I can't I can't wait. You don't get bumper music. Yeah, I've got the bumper music. You guys are not getting the bumper music. That must be why you weren't hearing the uh, why you weren't hearing the uh, uh, thing. Everybody else is getting the bumper music except for you. So let me shut off the bumper music and I'll turn it back on and we'll see if we can get it. All right. I see Brad's in the uh, he's been patiently waiting. He's just been patiently waiting. I should probably bring him on board because you know, uh, good morning, my friend. How are, how are, how are you doing? How's life in the how's How's life in the world out there?
1: Michael, I'm doing great. I'm in, I'm still in Ireland, so I'm, I'm doing fine.
2: You're doing fine. What, geez, what is it like midnight there or something like that? It's,
1: no, it's it's like 3.20 in the afternoon. Oh, okay. This is actually the, a, civilized, a civilized hour. This is
2: a civilized time for you. All right, good. All right. Um, whew. All right, I'm ready here. Let me just see if the listeners are actually hearing the bumper music. Uh, we'll see if they can hear that.
1: But, so you're going to blame this on the listeners?
2: I guess. I, I don't know. I got a little bumper music playing there. You guys will let me know if you heard that or not. I mean, I could hear it. Uh, the radio could hear it. Apparently, only the folks on the internet couldn't hear it. So that's that's how it is. Um, so uh, tell us about how you've been doing. I mean, you've been. I see you've been doing all the different uh, festivals and everything. How was it?
1: Oh, it's fun. It, it's it's great time over here, and a lot of music and and good friends and and amazingly enough, great food. I mean, I'm finding some really good restaurants over here. So music. History, culture, friends, food.
2: So you're in Ireland? Can't go wrong with that. Are you in Ireland or Scotland or both? Are you running? But where are you? Where are you? Just Ireland? I'm just doing
1: Ireland this time. Just Ireland this time. Okay. Was your fourth, by the way? We haven't talked since the fourth. How was your fourth? Oh, my fourth? Your fourth of July.
2: Oh, that was an amazing five days of nothing. Uh, I did some honeydew stuff for the first day or so. And I, uh, it was amazing. Five days of vacation, five days of relaxation, three days of work back to the weekend. I just want a three-day weekend. That's all I want. Or three-day work week. That's all I want from now on. Just a three-day work week. I mean, the radio well, listenership would suffer, but at that point, I'd be like, it's okay. We'll just deal with
1: it. Talk to your producer about that. I know,
2: really, I should. He's, but he's a bit of an a-hole. That guy is a bit of an a-hole,
0: all right? So it, it is what
2: it is. Uh, all right, Brad. Well, we're getting ready to jump into it here and uh, do our thing, and uh, we'll be doing uh, we'll be jumping in and, and making it work. So hold the line for just a second, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, the weekly top three. We've got all the stuff going on there. I don't know why you guys can't hear the music today. Just something arbitrarily decided not to work. So we're gonna we're gonna deal with it. It's on the podcast, so that's all good. Here we go. Common Sense Radio. All right. Welcome back to the program. We're continuing now. It's Tuesday. That means the weekly top three. Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets for the last, I guess, 10 years almost has been coming on the program and sharing with us and talking with us every Tuesday about uh, what he sees as being uh, the three biggest things we should be focusing on in the state of Alaska. Now, he and I don't always agree, but for the most part, we're we're uh, we're we're in agreement on this stuff today's uh, topics are interesting and i'm looking forward to seeing what's going on um here first and foremost brad welcome thanks for calling us he's out in he's out in ireland today enjoying a little Aaron gobra or something i don't know exactly what they're doing out there but he is uh, he's enjoying himself uh, with the music and the food and everything else good morning brad
1: Morning, Michael. How are you
2: doing today? I no complaints. I mean, it's a little rainy, but at least the world's not on fire and there's no snow. So those are my two. Those are my two high points for today: no snow and the world is not on fire. Uh, all right, Brad. Well, let's talk a little bit here about um, what uh, you know the weekly top three and what's going on. First and foremost, there's a story of the Alaska landmine that talks about uh, the director of uh, DOR, the Department of Revenue. Um, how the tax director of tax uh, had just apparently quietly been fired. And you're asking the question about the politicization of the Department of Revenue. Is that happening? And what does it mean? And is there evidence of something else going on? Uh, give us your
1: take on this. Well, Michael, there's three positions in the Department of Revenue that are important the commission, uh, for oil and gas tax purposes. You know our largest revenue source uh, uh, under current law. If you uh, would adhere to the PFD statute, oil and gas taxes are still our start, start largest revenue sources. Three important positions: the commissioner, obviously, the deputy director to whom the the the, direct, uh, the tax or deputy commissioner to whom the tax director typically reports, um, and the tax director. And those are the three key players. Now. Their role is to administer the statutes, to administer the laws passed by the legislature. So we're not talking about, we're not talking about changing the law here. We're talking about the roles that administer the statutes. And in my experience, and I'm sure a number of people who have dealt with uh, oil and gas in the state, uh, that administration can has a lot of flexibility. It can be fairly tight. It can be fairly broad. It can, it can uh, uh, really uh, affect how much of the revenue is being collected. Since Adam Crum has been uh, named uh, commissioner of the Department of Revenue, the deputy director has departed, uh, Brian Fector, uh, uh, left under circumstances that weren't entirely clear. And now, last week or two weeks ago, uh, the tax director, Colleen Glover, who had been there since the beginning of the Dunleavy administration, Uh was according to the landmine report fired. Um, and that's not good. I mean, I've dealt with both Brian and I've dealt with Colleen, they're very professional, they are solid people. Uh Colleen is a it it has been there since you know four or five years, since the beginning of the Dunleavy administration. Very straightforward. He basically what the job is is to call balls and strikes. Did you comply with the statute? Did you not comply with the statute? And and it's important to have somebody in those roles who are ex- who's experienced and who is a good solid uh, 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 umpire referee that, that's calling balls and strikes. the The concern that I have is is that Adam is replacing these people because they're not. Uh, as friendly as he wants to the industry. Uh, uh, Brian had run in with the industry about, a, uh, some of the industry about a couple of issues uh, as he was, uh, he's sort of the appeal process The tax makes a decision, or tax director makes a decision, appeals up to the de- deputy director. He had a run in with the industry on a couple of issues. Colleen has had a run in with the industry on a couple of issues. Colleen's background was a Dalyeska. So it's not like she's not, it's not like she's coming in from out of left field. or come in, coming in from uh, uh, some position where you, you know, anti-industry position. She was with Alieska. and she's had a couple of run-ins with industry. And and those run-ins have now been followed uh, since Adam has been commissioner with uh, with uh, their the departure of those two individuals. Adam has political aspirations.
2: I mean, you, well, you, I mean, it wasn't this guy, he was just with the department of, uh, wasn't he health and social services commissioner? I mean, he was right, just, right. I mean, what, what is his qualifications for, for being, I don't know if you have to have qualifications for being DOR commissioner, but it seems like he's hopping around the administration a bit.
1: Well, and you, you may recall, he ran against Shelley Hughes for state Senator, uh, when, uh, Shelley was uh, first elected to that spot. So Adam, right. Has Adam's relatively young, has continuing political aspirations, and has been known to have good friends in the industry, which oil industry, which is not, I mean, that's a, not a disqualifier. But when you when you couple that with, with Brian's departure uh, after a couple of run-ins with industry, and now Colleen's departure after a couple of run-ins with industry, I begin to wonder. Uh, I'm beginning to get concerned that, that uh, potentially what we have here uh, is, uh, is Adam uh, 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 currying favor with his industry friends uh, in anticipation of a run for, you know, crumb for governor in, uh, in, in 20, 2026 or crumb for, you know, house or something. And, and, and industry backing would be important in a political campaign like that. You'd want to position yourself to have industry backing. And I'm a little concerned that what's going on here is, is we're beginning to tilt the Department of Revenue, the administration side of the Department of Revenue, critical pieces in the administration of the oil and gas tax code, we're beginning to tilt it uh, away from calling balls and strikes and beginning to tilt it into a, into a more uh, favorable uh, 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 operation for, uh, for industry. So it's something, I, I Landfield's got it uh, got it identified in this week's uh, in, a, in a column uh, in his in his Sunday uh, land landmine column. Uh, he also has a column from last Friday, I think, that talks about Colleen's departure. Um, it's not something that's been picked up by the rest of the press, but it's something that I think we should be concerned about and something that, frankly, I'm going to follow fairly closely from here on in. Because,
2: again, as you said, these are the ones that decide whether or not the producers are in compliance with state law. And that is where the revenue for the state is coming in. And if they cozy up too much to the uh, producers, then obviously our revenue goes down. They're able to, they have some, they have some discretion. And as you said, flexibility and discretion in, in the enforcement of the law, and they can decide whether or not it's feasible um, and uh, although you've been accused of being a guy who doesn't care about, uh, you know, the taxes and oil and gas and stuff coming out, you do very much. I mean, you believe that, uh, as I've said before, you believe that there's still money on the table, that we could address the tax law and actually get a little more. But it doesn't help if we pass the law and the people who are enforcing it are super friendly in the pockets of the oil industry because then they just say, oh, yeah, sure, you don't have to pay that. I mean, they have the authority to actually do that kind of stuff.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, no law is perfect. You, you no law is is absolutely perfect for every situation. And so you have situations come up where, you know, you have uh, you have an interpretation of the law that's that's due. And there's interpretations that are, you know, more consistent with the law, less consistent with the law, but still within the boundary of what the what the law would provide. And that's and that's why you have a tax director. Uh, that's the person to whom the auditors ultimately report. Uh, that's why you have a deputy director, uh, deputy commissioner, uh, to to administer those those sorts of things and to call balls and strikes. And when industry takes a position and says, "Ooh, the statute really means this," to say, "No, the statute doesn't mean that." From the state standpoint, the statute means this, and that's how we're going to administer the statute. If you don't believe, if you don't agree with this, go to court or go to the go to uh, the ALJs, uh, the administrative law judges. But but this is this is the position we're taking, and it's those people, the ones that that will say this is the position we're taking. You don't if you don't agree with this, take us to court. Uh, uh, those are the people that we're talking about here: uh, the deputy right. commissioner and the, and the tax director. This so will... you know if if and, and if they say if they say you know if, if industry says well you know you can interpret the statute this way. And if the tax director or the deputy commissioner say, "Well, okay, you yeah, know, we'll, we'll interpret it that way," you can lose. You can lose revenue. And Michael, let, let's think about who that revenue is coming out of the pocket of. The way we're going, you know, PFD cuts is the marginal source of revenue. So what we're talking about is is creating an opportunity for additional PFD cuts, additional revenue coming out of the pockets of Alaska families, middle and lower income Alaska families, and sliding over the, to the industry through uh, through this sort of looser administration this
2: raises a bigger question obviously uh this is all happening on dunleavy's watch does that mean that he is uh I guess at this point all in on uh on the industry you know being pro industry is he is, is does he have a he has some responsibility in what's going on here I'm assuming because he has to sign off on it I would imagine at some point
1: well th- these are probably decisions that are within the commissioner's uh, realm who uh, who fills the deputy commissioner slot probably does go to the governor. Uh, who fills the tax director slot? I'm not as certain would go to the governor. Uh, certainly the governor can intervene and ask uh, and ask the commissioner what's going on. But I'm not I'm not I'm not comfortable saying that that these are coming at the direction of the governor. I mean, Colleen was there for four years, did a great job for four years. All of a sudden, in the first year of Adams' administration, she's not doing a great job. And 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 she's terminated. Brian was in OMB for a long period of time before he came over uh, to uh, Department of National. Before he came over to Department of Revenue, Um, did a great job at OMB. Came over and was doing a great job at DOR. Adam comes on the scene and Brian's gone. So it's this is not I, you know, if 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 it was Dunleavy. I would I would think they would have been gone before. This is this is more attributable to Adam Crum coming in and becoming commissioner.
2: And so you think this is more about currying favor for future electoral aspirations than it is for protecting the state and protecting the revenue and getting the max resource that, uh, you know, which is the job of the DOR is to maximize the resource uh, revenue from the state.
1: That's the concern I have. We've never had really a revenue commissioner who's had continued uh, political aspirations. We've never had a revenue commissioner who sat there and, you know, make sure his name stays out as a candidate for, for future situations. We've never had a revenue commissioner who's, who's, you know, been in the mix for running for governor when, uh, when the current governor's term, uh, Expires. We we've never really had the revenue commissioner has always been more a professional bureaucrat. I don't. I I I dare say more somebody who's interested in the position and doing the job there than he is. You know, positioning he or she positioning for future political office. Adam is unique uh, in in that in that regard. He's young enough and he's ambitious enough, and he's and he's position and he's get making sure his name's staying out there. In a way that is different for the Department of Revenue. So you you take that and you add in getting rid of Brian and Colleen, um, uh, both of whom have had run-ins with the industry, as any deputy deputy commissioner and any tax division head are going to do. You want them to have those run-ins with industry because you want them to be making sure that they're looking out for the state's interests when the when the industry comes up with a crazy theory about why they don't owe taxes. You want tax director and a deputy commissioner pushing back on that. So they've had run ins. Okay. Um, but you know that they've had run ins before they had run ins during Dunlevy's first term It's when Adam comes came on board that uh, right. that this has become a problem. So yeah, I, it's something something that we need to watch out for because this could you, you know, if, if you got if you got people who are bending over to help the industry inside the Department of Revenue, that can become a real problem.
2: Yeah uh brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets that's number one of the weekly top three number two has to do with the idea of a quote-unquote responsible government and uh it's a two-step give me a quick tease and we'll jump to the break brad
1: well alaska policy forum is is making a big deal It's come out with an article last week and now coming out with some ads uh, that talk about uh, the fy 24 being a responsible budget you know fitting within certain parameters that. That uh, uh, that Alaska Policy Policy Forum sees uh, sees as responsible. There's really two tests for responsibility. One is does it balance. The second is who pays, and are you structuring who pays in a way that in, in, in ensures that the economy is doing okay, is beneficial to the economy, uh, and is fair across the board. And Alaska Policy Forum spends a long time talking about the first absolute radio silence on the second and i think that's a problem
2: we'll talk about that here in just a moment the michael duke show continues it is your home for common sense liberty-based free thinking radio we're going to be back with more brad keithley the weekly top three continues right after this don't go anywhere
0: Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show.
2: Okay, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, let's go back to number one for just a minute, uh, Brad, um, and, uh, and put on your put on your your political analysis hat um crumb aspirations for office yada 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 but he was the commissioner of health and social services donna says he left a bit of a mess when he left there um uh when when he left hss but he oversaw a huge component of the um COVID lockdowns and everything i mean do you think he has He may have political aspirations, but that may have been damaging to him. I mean, at that point, what do you I mean, what do you what do you think? Is he uh, does he have a chance? I mean, I would not think that the logical jump would be from the commission to uh, the governor's race or even to a Senate race, maybe a House race. But I just don't see, you know, he may have aspirations, but that seems like that's quite a leap.
1: Well, what we've done, what we've done with with financing, uh, is is make this a money game. I mean, be, be, by removing the financing limits, uh, money is now a big part of whether you have whether you have electability or not. Uh, and let's think in the state who has money. <laughs> let's think let's think in the state who has who has uh, enough money to to influence uh, the outcome of elections. Well, that'd be the oil industry, and and you know if you it, it it's 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 it, if you were gonna try to curry favor with somebody uh the oil industry would be the one to do it with um and, and and michael the test of of is adam electable does adam have issues that that could get in his way i'm not sure that's the complete test if he thinks he's electable if he thinks he has a chance he thinks he has a chance of getting elected and he thinks the way to get there is uh, is by currying favor with the oil industry. And, you know, the oil industry is not going to stop it and say, oh, right. you have no chance. <laughs> no,
2: right. Go away. They'll Don't still, never, yeah. never
1: bother us again.
2: Yeah, they'll still throw money at it. If they think they can get uh, some quid pro quo back, they'll definitely throw money at it, whether he wins or not uh, at that point, because uh, he could still, uh, you know, he could still help
1: them off in the in the future. It's a little disappointing. And, and- go ahead. And I'm not saying there's a memo that says from the oil industry that says, "Adam, you get rid of these people, we'll back you." That's not that's not what's going on. This is much more subtle. Sure. This is much more. I hang out with my friends. My friends are my friends in the oil industry. They're complaining about Brian. They're complaining about Colleen. They're complaining about this year, this issue, or that issue. I like my friends. I want to be friends with my friends. I want my friends to support me. So what if I get rid of them and get people in that they don't complain about? Wouldn't that be better? That's that's. That's what I'm concerned is going on here.
2: Yeah, well, I could definitely see that. And uh, again, whether or not the governor has direct uh, has direct uh, uh, well, he has direct influence on it, but whether or not he has direct culpability in what's going on is another thing. I mean, at some point, he is ultimately responsible. If his commissioner is running amok, he should probably be asking the hard questions of what's going on here. Uh, I, unless, of course, he also doesn't mind the state getting a little cozier with the oil companies i mean that you know he may have aspirations for something larger maybe he can ride on that coattails who knows
1: well i'm sure he does have aspirations for something larger but but you don't yeah th- this boy this wouldn't be the way to do it cuz this can just blow up in your face here's here's another issue about this. There was no discussion when Brian departed, Brian Fector departed the Deputy Commissioner's role. There was no discussion when Colleen departed. I mean, the, the 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 what the landmine said is she was terminated, there was absolutely no notice of that no discussion of it. Legislators said they weren't notified of it. Right. Um, so So it's sort of, it's happening in the dark, right? And when things happen in the dark, you begin to wonder, uh, what the motivation is and why they want to keep it in the dark, or why they won't at least talk about it. Right. So, I mean, this
2: this happened with Colleen. This was like three weeks ago. I mean, you're finding out about everything after the fact that she's terminated. They haven't named it. The assistant, uh, the, the the deputy commissioner, they said is taken over, but he's still listed as a deputy, not acting, uh, you know, a director. Yada yada yada. So
1: ex director, it, right? Yeah.
2: It, so it seems like it's all very hush hush, quiet quiet on the QT. They're hoping nobody would notice kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And, and again, Brian and industry or Brian and Colleen both had run-ins with industry. So it's not like, it's not like, you know, something, something else was going on. It doesn't seem like something else was going on. Seems like industry was pushing back in Adam, Adam cave. So it's, um, it's a concern.
2: Interesting, uh, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're getting ready to rejoin here. We're about thirty seconds out. Uh, again, you will not hear the music. Apparently, Brad, are you hearing the music? You're not hearing. No. Yeah, you're not hearing it at all. Uh, I don't want to have to restart the whole stream and do all that kind of stuff. So you guys are just going to have to suffer in silence for a few minutes here as we bumper in and bumper out. That's just that's how it's going to work. Uh, unfortunately for you, but I can hear it. So I'm happy. Uh, and, and the radio can hear it. So here we go. The Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking row radio.
0: The Michael Duke show, not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy. Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. That's right. Not your
2: daddy's talk radio, nor do we play one on TV. Although I could, I am a daddy, but just not yours. Welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke show Brad Keithley is our guest. The weekly top three continues Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Number two, the Alaska policy Forum, who I agree with in a lot of issues did put out this uh, piece uh, talking about Alaska has a responsible government now. Yay um but at the same time talking in kind of platitudes about a uh, a broader more f- a secure fiscal plan and everything else uh, they keep using that word responsible though and I'm I'm not sure it means what you think it means kind of thing. Brad, you said there's a two-stage approach and they're only addressing one stage.
1: Right, there's two tests to whether a budget is responsible or reasonable or whatever whatever phrase you want to use. One is is a balance um, and and the second is how do you get it balanced? Who's paying uh, for uh, uh, for for government? And that test has is important from not only the standpoint of fairness that you want to make sure it's broad based, that nobody has to pay too much, but it's also important from the standpoint of economic impact. You want you want a a revenue base that is that has a low impact uh, across the economy and 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 helps uh, helps uh, promote the economy or helps. Maintain the economy, as opposed to, you know, unfairly penalizing uh, one piece of the economy or another. The uh, Alaska Policy Forum has come out with this this piece that says, "Oh, Alaska has a responsible budget." Uh, reminds me of what Dunleavy said in his um, in his veto statement that Alaska has a reasonable budget. Well, it it does in the sense that it balances. It does in the sense that revenues equal uh, uh, equal uh, uh, spending. Uh, and And you know, we're not drawing down savings. We're not taxing future generations for one of the few times. But that's only the first test. The second test is how are you balancing it? Who's paying uh, the burden of uh, of government costs? And this budget is far from responsible or far from reasonable uh, in connection with uh, with with who's paying. It's being paid in in large part, through PFD cuts, which are, as as Matt Berman from the ICER has told us, uh, are uh, the most regressive taxes ever uh, that fall hardest on middle and lower income Alaska families. And as ICER told us in 2016, uh, in the 2016 ICER study, has the largest adverse impact uh, of any of the revenue options on uh, on Alaska families. And And so you can't say you can't say that that a budget is responsible and put the period there or a budget is reasonable, and put the period there when the second test, the who's paying test, uh, is is so badly violated is 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 so so badly missed. Think about it this way. Think about it if the budget was balanced through an income tax, through a progressive income tax that took huge amounts from uh, from the top twenty percent in order to balance the budget. Alaska policy Forum would be all over that. They'd be complaining about, you know, the undue burden on uh, on high income, how how anti uh, in, uh, how anti economy that is, how anti investment that is, how concerning that is in terms of population movement. Well, we've got a progre- we've got an income tax. It's just hugely regressive, uh, taking most of it from middle and lower income Alaska families. Increasingly regressive as you go along, and that approach, that unbalanced approach, that that regressive. Approach that tilted approach, just like progressive is tilted upward, regressive is tilted backward. Uh, That regressive approach has the largest adverse impact on the overall economy. So it's it's I think it's disingenuous uh, and borders on dishonest for Alaska Policy Forum to be you know touting that this budget is responsible and reasonable and 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 fits its criteria when the second test when when whether who's paying. And how it's balanced is such a such a mess right now.
2: Well, I think it's interesting because a policy form ostensibly is about smaller, more limited government. And yet this budget does anything but that. It obviously gives more and more to government. It takes from the PFD and gives to government and does all those things. So while you're right, technically, it falls within the boundaries of responsible because it lives within the expenditure versus revenue argument, it's also growing the size and scope of government. And you would think that they would not cheer that on, or at least there'd be a mention of it saying, well, it's good that we're responsible, but at the same time, we're growing government. They don't say anything about that in that article, which I found telling, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, it's um, there's another agenda going on here by Policy Forum, and the the agenda is... To sort of, you know, support the top twenty percent Republicans, um, and and say, you know, government's good as long as it's balanced. However, that how, however it's balanced it's good as long as it's balanced. That sort of repeats the themes <laughs> of the uh, of the Alaska Senate. Sort of repeats the seams theme of some of the of the House Republicans. Sort of repeats the theme of the governor. But you can't say that. I mean, that's not that's not how you how you determine what a responsible. Reasonable budget is. You've got to meet both both tests. You can say it's partly responsible. I mean, it's finally ba- it's finally, you know, the, the 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 sums on both sides balance out. But you can't say it's responsible, period, or it's reasonable, period, when you've got such a huge imbalance uh, in uh, in the who pays category and a, such a such an adverse impact uh, on the overall economy from the way in which the the revenues are being raised.
2: Uh, it's interesting. Jeremy says unsustainable budgets are not balanced budgets, and there is an issue of sustainability when you talk about balancing a budget. Sure, if you want balance, you want to balance a budget one year, but you know that you can't do that moving forward. Is it truly a balanced, responsible budget?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 you know, sustainability has a lot of components. Also, one is. Is the economy sustainable is, is is the economy does the economy grow under the kind of budget you've developed I mean that's one of one of the concerns that we've had right in a sustainable budget since the very beginning I mean do, are you are you developing your budget in a way that allows your economy to continue to grow that doesn't impede the growth of the economy and again back to the 2016 Icer, ICER study, PFD cuts had the largest adverse impact of any of the revenue measures on the overall economy. So well, the answer the answer is no. I, I mean <laughs> I, I think we've proved on this
2: program that the that the vast majority of movers and shakers in the state of Alaska don't really care about the private economy. They care primarily about the government spend in the public economy. And if that's okay, then they can go home and sleep at night and it's fine. It doesn't matter who else has to pay the price for that kind of stuff. Uh, I think yeah, we, you wouldn't
1: think you would you wouldn't think policy forum would fall in that category. Uh, would, you know, again, but they do.
2: That was what was shocking to me, because, again, ostensibly their argument and their their whole premise is smaller, more reasonable, more sustainable governments. That's what they've talked about and other things and everything else and being fiscally responsible and all that. And this just doesn't seem to fall in that category a little bit. I think they've fallen into that classic trap of, again, no taxes, the PFDs, welfare kind of thing, which is, uh, I think, a problematic approach to say the least.
1: Um, let's... Well, it's the top twenty percent approach. I yeah. mean, what they've what they what they've fallen into is the trap of saying the only people that count are the top twenty percent. The rest of you, eighty percent, we don't care about you. Yeah, that's that's a that's a horrible place to be.
2: Let's talk about number three, which of course is the Cook Inlet issue, uh, the gas. Uh, It's diminishing. They're talking about different alternatives. Uh, We could see an increase in the South Central area. Everybody who's on the gas system uh, in South Central could see an increase of up to a third in their costs. There's some other things they could import. They could do some things. But your whole point is don't exacerbate the problem by trying to subsidize it, Brad.
1: We do have a problem. Uh, The Cook Inlet is, uh, in terms of gas reserves, producible gas reserves that we currently have, Behind pipe, um, uh, it's it's running lower. The deliver deliverability is running lower. We had this problem ten years ago. Before then, uh, we didn't have storage, and so when you when you needed more gas in the anchorage or needed more gas for electricity, you just turned the valve, turned up the production, or brought more wells on, brought increased production from from wells that you had turned down, uh, and met the demand. Ten years ago, we didn't have enough deliverability that meet winter peak, So we built storage to store gas in the summer, store excess surplus gas in the summer, and then bring that out of storage like you would have a super well, bring that out of storage uh, in the winter to meet deliverability. Now we've got a problem that there's, even with the storage fields, there's not enough gas being produced to to meet the winter peak uh, from a combination of the gas fields uh, and the storage. So that that's, we've definitely got a problem. Uh, there are solutions to it. There's a there's a study group that's been looking at it. Uh, they've outlined solutions of bringing in LNG in a, in different ways, uh, including uh, floating LNG, uh, floating uh, regas units, which is what Europe used when Russia cut off Europe. Germany put in a bunch of floating regas units, and that's how they've met their their demand. Another is reversing the Kenai, the old Kenai LNG facility, to bring gas in through the bring gas back in. Through the old Kenai LNG facility, and then they and then they've talked about a couple of pipe options. One is a bullet line uh, that, that would come down from the north, bring gas down from the north slope solely for Fairbanks and South Central, uh, and the other is the big uh, LNG or the big uh, uh, gas line that we've always, that we've talked about forever. Uh, that would that would drop off gas in South Central and drop off gas in Fairbanks as part of uh, as a part of big uh, the big uh, export uh, exportation. Uh, program. All of those have costs associated with them. I mean, if you if if we're going to run low or produce gas, all of them have costs. Building an LNG facility, even a floating LNG facility, is going to have cost to it. Building the line down, the, one of the two pipelines down from the North Slope is going to have cost to it. And now we've got people talking about, well, now well, we could. They're expensive, hugely expensive. They're going to dump dump a bunch of costs on South Central, uh, but we can. Uh, uh, we can subsidize those with state money. That's the last thing, absolute last thing we need to do. It's, uh,
2: yeah, it's it's interesting to see uh, the kind of the scramble and everything else. And, of course, once South Central has a problem, then we might see solutions, uh, even though Fairbanks has been struggling for years. It'll be interesting to see what the solution is. I mean, I definitely have benefited for the last 10 years of living down here and ex- experiencing cheap energy. Can we keep it up is the question. And do we need that subsidy? Uh, it's uh, I think that's due for a broader discussion, Brad. I think we could have a broader discussion on that as well.
1: And, and we will as this goes along. But I want to get it surfaced as an issue early on because I, the last thing we need is to get a big you know rolling support system for subsidies rolling into the next legislature
2: brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets thank you my friend i appreciate you coming on board
1: michael as always thanks for having
2: me folks we're out of time for this segment we got more coming up the michael duke show Brad Keith Lee, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. I mean, you know, uh, in an ideal world, we would have a line that could export. I mean, it seems like such a shame, Brad, that we're struggling for oil and gas when we've got 17 trillion cubic feet of gas on the North Slope. That seems to be, you know, the idea and the thought that we may have to import our own gas seems almost offensive at that point. I mean, the fact that we're sitting on so much and can't seem to do anything with it.
1: Well, and that's what, that's what some people are going to say. Some people are going to say we can't, this is what Sean Parnell said in 2013, the last, ha- the last time we had a gas crisis. They're going to say, oh no, Alaska is not going to import gas, period, end of statement. I don't care what we have to do, Alaska is not going to import gas. Well, last time that he made that statement, we spent a whole bunch of money in terms of tax credits to encourage uh, the coconut producers to go out, I mean, essentially subsidize them to go out and explore for uh, additional gas, and we did get additional gas supplies out of that, but it was at significant cost to the state treasury. Um, this time, we're going to have the same sort of reaction. Yes, we, uh, Alaska can't have imported gas into it. Well, it's economics. I mean, the economics are the big line. The big export line is hugely expensive. We can't find anybody in the globe yet uh, that wants to that wants to you know do the deal with us for uh, for gas from the huge export line. The bullet line, just bringing gas down, just solely to Fairbanks and, and South Central, is even more expensive on a on a per unit basis. Uh, uh, even more expensive than the, than the big line. So, it's um, the economics are the economics are, are are bad to 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 find our own uh, find our own gas. Somebody's going to pay for it. I mean, it's if we do those and we subsidize them again. What's the marginal source of revenue in the state? It's PFDs. We're going to be taking it out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families uh, to subsidize uh, subsidize you know making life a little more tolerable for people in South Central. That's we ought to follow the economics. The economics are likely going to lead us to LNG. Yeah, it's it's odd that we got all this gas up north and we're going to be importing LNG, but that's what the economics say. That's what the that's what the dollars and cents say, and and we ought not to deviate. Well, we ought not to try to override that. By saying, well, the state will just pump, pump, punch in a bunch of money uh, to try to uh, try to make it uh, lower costs. Well, thankfully, at the
2: time Parnell was talking about all that, we had billions of dollars in savings. And now we're not at that point. So hopefully it's not as attractive as it was uh, during his heyday uh, where we had all this excess money. where like, we could do stuff with this. Uh, Hopefully uh, cooler heads prevail on that. And uh, and we could do it because we don't have that kind of. uh, liquidity that we did back then.
1: Well, where do we have that money, Michael? We have it, uh, well, we have it in true. the permanent
2: fund. That's true. I mean, there's billions and, of dollars in the permanent. I'm still hoping that they, you know, that they, that all the cooler heads do prevail and nobody loses their mind and decides to tap into the corpus of the fund.
1: Well, it wouldn't be tapping into the, so how they would explain it is we're going to invest it, you know, the permanent fund is there to be invested. So we're going to invest it in, in this project. Uh, and it'll produce, you know, returns. It'll produce huge mu- amount of money for the for the state in terms of the dollars that we'll get back on. Not going to happen. Uh, so, <laughs> but but I, somebody's going to say that somewhere along the way that, that that we'll just invest the money in the in the in the bullet line. We'll get our money back by by the tolls that are the bullet line or the big line. We'll get it back by the tolls that are going to be charged. But this is a place. This is a place where we finally ought to draw the line and say economics prevail. Yeah. what's the what's the lowest cost way of uh, of continuing to meet the energy needs of uh, of South Central and it's not only gas not only nstar but it's also the gas-fired electric generation plants that we have so right part of, part of the solution may be more uh, more more wind wind turbines maybe more you know solar panels, maybe more tidal tidal energy to reduce the electricity demand, the electric demand on uh, on gas.
2: Well, that's part of that article that talks about in the Alaska Public. The article that uh, that talks a lot about this is that they're looking more and more at these renewables, which of course has its own conversation that you know that needs to be required because it can't always provide. I mean, we've seen that with the wind and everything else uh, uh, projects around the state. They can't always provide a re- reliable source of energy. Gas is still. Outside of nuclear, the best, you know, the least worst form of energy production. And so we need to do something. I mean, that, that, I think any of the renewables is going to be nothing more than a stopgap or maybe a feel good measure. And the investment of that kind of infrastructure is still huge for that kind of stuff. Yep.
1: yep. And we need to look at the economics of that. But we ought to find, I mean, here, here's the point. Instead of just rushing out and saying like Parnell did, 2013, or, or as some people are going to say now, no, we're not going to import gas. Period. End of statement. You know, we're going to use Alaska gas wherever it comes from. Instead of making that, we ought to continue to to do these economic analyses and figure out what the lowest cost way uh, is for uh, uh, for South Central to uh, to have those supplies and yeah. and and let the economics prevail as opposed to the the politics uh, uh, prevail
2: it's uh it's interesting uh this is uh again another full conversation that we could have here in the future um but uh definitely definitely an interesting uh an interesting discussion brad i hope you enjoy yourself over there more music festivals to come and then you'll be back on terra firma here in alaska sometime in the near future
1: yep yeah i'm headed back uh headed back at the end of this week so i'll be back uh Back domestically for next week's show. You
2: almost almost hate it, right? I mean, it's just so nice to be be over there. My wife is always so jealous when you post all the pictures of Ireland. She gets mad at me. She's like, when can we go to Ireland? Well, one day when (laughs) we're fabulously uh, rich and wealthy and handsome and everything else. And I'm retired. Maybe we can do that. That'll be fun. So uh, anyway, Brad Keithley, thank you so much for uh, thanks for coming on. As always, it's good stuff. I hope you enjoy yourself while you're there
1: i will michael thanks uh, as always for having
2: appreciate uh, appreciate you being part of it today uh all right folks that brings us over to our uh two of the big old radio broadcast uh, we're going to uh jump into this right now the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio maybe you hear the music maybe you don't but here we go
0: What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire.
1: That was just BS.
0: It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got Just the Cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Yep, live around the world on the internet at michaeldukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program, hour two of the big radio broadcast, and we are ready to go for today. Hour two just finished up with Brad Keithley for uh, from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, talking about the weekly top three. Uh it was a uh it was a good discussion. Good and fun. Fun and good discussion. If you missed it, you can go back and pick it up on the podcast and uh talk about it there and and uh watch it, listen to it, love it, learn it, do all that stuff. Um hour two of the program today. We are going to be joined in just a few moments by Chris. S- Dory, the man from Homer, the author, the potter, the realtor, the radio show host, the positivity guru. He's going to come on board and share his thoughts and dreams and ideas with us. Uh, it's the weekly uplift, the weekly life coaching lesson. And uh, it's something that I look forward to every week. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you do or not, but I i hope that you do. I hope that you find that to be enjoyable and, uh, and, and uh, you know. Look forward to it, as much as I do. I, I look forward to it every every week. Um. In the meanwhile, I do have some headlines, but uh, as I like to do after our conversations with Brad a lot of the times, I want to bring the phone lines up and see what you guys have to say. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Phones are live and rocking right now. If you want to uh, sound off, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, and uh, we can have those conversations with you right now. Any of the topics that Brad brought up or something, you know, tangential to that, I would love to hear what you have to say. Uh, again, special thanks to our friends at Satellite West. You can find them at satellitewest.com. They have uh, the tools and the talent to keep you connected, whether it is in Tin City or whether it's up on the Tanana, whether it's in Shishmaref or Seldovia. Uh, wherever you are. They have got the, the, the connectivity and the technology to allow you to stay connected with the world, whether that's with phone calls or text messages, uh, surfing the Internet, sending an email, whatever it is. Satellite West has got you covered. Special thanks to them for sponsoring the show across the state of Alaska today uh, on the program. Again, find them at satellitewest.com with local dealers and everything else. We appreciate you being a part of it. Well, um, it's interesting. We see the movers and shakers in this state—the people who have um, gifted us with things like uh, uh, rank choice voting and more—they have uh, been busy. Not only have they been uh, not only have they been pushing and uh, and continuing to defend the rank choice voting uh, issue. They are moving on to some other ones as well. They're starting to talk a little bit about some new issues that could be on the ballot uh, through Citizens Initiative. They uh, you know, I, I don't know if I want to accuse them of weaponizing the, uh, the uh, ballot measure system or not. But it is a possibility. Andrew Kitcherman over at Alaska Beacon has got an article up talking about this. There are proposed ballot measures that would, one, raise the minimum wage in Alaska, two, add mandatory paid sick leave, and then three, campaign limit contributions and state spending on party candidate nominations. Uh, The first one would make a series of changes to state labor law. Uh, it would uh, raise the hourly minimum wage, which is currently at $10.85, to $13 starting July of next year. A year later, it would go to $14, and the year after that, it would go to $15 and then adjust according. It would have a locked-in uh, inflation adjustment factor uh, after that. It would require anybody who employs 15 or more employees to offer 56 hours of unaccrued paid sick leave as well so that's seven full days of accrued paid not unaccrued sorry accrued paid sick leave uh smaller employers anything with less than 15 employees would have to offer 40 hours of paid sick leave and it doesn't say here in the article whether that's for full-time or part-time staff or whatever but i can tell you uh, as a dad with a couple of uh, uh, teenagers and and young people who are out there working, um, they're already having a hard enough time uh, trying to. My kids are already having a hard enough time trying to make enough money to you know they're gonna have two jobs to live because they can only get in most cases a part time job that will pay thirty to thirty five hours a week because nobody wants them to go full time to have to pay extra benefits and everything else. So. It becomes a very difficult situation, although I don't think that going to the ballot box with this makes a lot of sense. The measure would also bar employers from requiring workers to attend meetings on religious or political matters unrelated to their work, which I guess that makes sense. The guy who's fighting it and the primary sponsor is former state labor commissioner Ed Flanagan. Uh, He said that the fight for 15, which is what this is part of took off soon after he and others proposed the state's last large minimum wage increase, which passed with the voters in 2014, Um, of course, which is supported by the AFL and the CIO uh, as well. Joelle Hall is quoted in the article saying they support the measures, obviously, uh, and uh, she's excited to see that. Another measure that is being put forward this week uh, would reinstitute campaign contributions limits. Now, those, remember, were struck down by the courts, uh, basically saying that they were too low. But since the court couldn't set a—I mean, not that I'm complaining, the court couldn't set it, it basically meant that those contributions for this last election cycle have pretty much been unlimited. Uh, The ballot uh, question that was submitted earlier this year— uh, was withdrawn after the department of law raised some concerns about the provisions uh, and of course our good friend Scott Kendall scooter Kendall is uh he's working uh he's working to draft uh, both versions of the campaign contribution proposal uh and of course you'll remember Scott is a big mover and shaker in the whole rank choice voting issue which immediately makes me I mean I think Contribution limits are a good thing overall. I don't think it should be unlimited, as Brad talked about earlier in the last segment. There's some problems there uh, with uh, you know with unlimited campaign contributions, but the fact that Scott Kendall is involved immediately makes me a little cautious. The measure would set a new series of limits uh, for political candidates, parties, and groups. Uh, for example, contributions to individual candidates would be capped at two thousand dollars over a two-year election cycle, essentially twice as much as the $500 limit for each year under the old invalidated law. Bruce Patello also is another primary sponsor of the measure. He's the former state attorney general and a luminary in the uh, Democratic Party, and uh, he is another primary sponsor of the measure. Uh, He's also a primary sponsor of the third measure submitted to the elections division this week, it would prohibit state money from being spent for political parties to choose nominees, whether by a party primary or a convention. Historically, the state parties like the Republican Party, et cetera, the state has paid for those primaries. Um, and this is just another this would be another nail in the coffin of regular voting and uh, basically solidify rank choice as the voting system uh, that, uh, everybody, you know, would, you know, they, you would, they would say now, well, we can't go back to regular voting because now we've made it illegal for the state to pay unless the parties are willing to pony up the money to pay for the, uh, primaries or conventions that they've got going on. Um, I don't remember how much it costs for the primaries. Uh, I think it's, uh, I don't even want to say it's in the millions of dollars, low millions of dollars, usually to put something like that on statewide for a state primary. Um, But that would then mean that the parties themselves had to pick up the bill for that, which. I'm not necessarily opposed to, um, but uh, this would make it, I think, harder for people to. um, I think this would make it harder for people to justify eliminating ranked choice vote voting if they knew that going back to the primary system that they had before would cost the state more money. So these are just a few of the things that are waiting in the wings. And as they had such success, they being Alaskans for uh, better elections, um, which was again Scott Kendall's group, They had such a good uh, run with this and, of course, used – out. you know, what nobody really ever talks about except for, I think, on this program a lot is that, uh, you know, those groups – that group put together and did this campaign for ranked choice voting, and they were so successful simply because they had a ton of money coming from outside. They spent $7 million advertising that campaign and getting it up and running um, with outside dollars. Uh, All of it, remember, was talking about bringing dark money out of the campaign, all the while being itself funded by dark money. So uh, uh, I think you'll see and and nothing in the rank choice voting ballot initiative did anything to eliminate the that dark money uh, issue. And so if they're going to bring something else forward, guess what? There's going to be more dark money flowing into the state over these issues as well. So that should be. It should be interesting and exciting, to say the least. Um, all right, what else uh, we got? I guess that's it. I, I think we've hit all the stuff for now, and we are coming up on the break. So we might as well just uh, we might as well just hit it and take it out there. We're gonna go. We're gonna be back. The Michael Duke Show: Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. It's uh, coming up on our time for Chris Story, who's going to bring us our weekly self-reflection period, our life coaching. He's going to help us. Uh, It's one of the segments that I look forward to every week uh, over here on the program. I hope you enjoy it as well. So up next is Chris Story with our positivity break. We'll be back with more here in just a moment. It is the Michael Luke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Okay, uh, in the break right now, uh, ready to go. I mean, we're not ready, ready to go. We need to, uh, uh, we got to get that that stuff going. The silence is awkward, says Jeannie, only just for a moment. You guys will, I know it'll pass. I don't know what's going on. Like I said, everybody else can hear it except for the internet. And I've changed some settings and done some stuff, and I don't know what's going on. And you know what? It's I will live with it. I think we'll live through this. It'll be okay. We'll be we'll be fine. We'll make it happen. It'll be okay, and uh, we'll deal with that here for just a second. Uh, let me get uh, let me get Chris' story up on the line first things first here, and uh, we'll see we'll see what's going on there. We'll see if we can get uh, Mister Story on the line before we uh before we go along here too much here see if we can get the phones to work properly uh look at that it's actually ringing actually ringing actually ringing okay good morning michael hello my friend how are you I'm doing wonderful. You're a little early, but I'm, I'm always happy to be here. Yeah, a little early. I just wanted to make sure that we could connect. And that now you can. I'll, I'll put you back on hold and you can go back. Can I to, go back to sleep? You can go back to picking your nose or whatever you were doing there. So it's going to be excellent. Yeah, it's going to be good. Okay. It's going to be perfect. Uh, so hold the line here, my friend, and I'll be right back to you, uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer, ready to do his thing here on the program as we uh, as we continue ahead. Let me get uh, let me get caught up here in the chat room. And see what uh, what's going on here. Uh, let me go back to the top of the hour. See what I got. Uh, Harold, all all the unsolicited advice in the world, uh, as usual. Uh, Brian talks about coal, um, which would be fine, except for everybody is so anti coal right now. They're I mean they're trying to shut down the power plant in Healy to that feeds a Fairbanks right now. I mean. You know, they just want Fairbanks to be more and more. So I think they just want to force people out of Fairbanks. Between that and the fact that they want to make everybody in Fairbanks use ultra low sulfur fuel, um, which has a significant uh, uh, jump up in there. Uh, Jeannie says he'll tell you it's better than smoking, that vaping is better than smoking, but uh, barely. According to the Royal C- uh, Cancer Society, it's 95 percent safer than smoking. But I don't really care. Uh, it's my choice. You guys, you know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't watch retarded TV. Whatever you guys do, it's on you. I don't care. You guys can do what you want to do. Um, let's see, like a bear in the woods. Do we even have anthracite coal up here? It's mostly bithmus coal. Um, but uh, no. OK, Harold. Um, I'm still going through here. Uh, wanted to feed them the plant demonstration product. Kids need to get out of Alaska, keeping their hairs, leaving them in the fish tank. Go see the world, says Jeannie. I mean, I think if kids want to move outside, that's uh, you know, there's opportunity. There is opportunity here. I would agree that it's not as great as it is down in the lower 48. Um, Jeannie says Seattle has been 15 an hour for five years and has a sick pay program paid for by a payroll deduction similar to unemployment. You have to contribute for one year before you can claim the benefit. I don't know if that's exactly what the details of this one are as well, but we'll see. Um, And I don't know why this is Timothy says the mandatory minimum wage. The market already pays more than that. I mean, you can go by almost any fast food restaurant down here in South Central and see that they're advertising hiring help at 15 an hour already. So I don't know exactly why they want to know that. Terry agrees with what I said, which was if scooters involved you know it's a bad deal <laughs> that's that's the whole thing uh if scooter is involved it's immediately suspect that's what it all comes down to um all right uh we're about to jump back into it we're 30 seconds out chris story is with us the man from homer let's uh let's get all this uh, squared away and see what uh See what he has to say. He's got some kind of life lesson for us today. We're not exactly sure what it is, but I'm sure it will be fantastic. Uh, We look forward to jumping into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for continuing with us. uh, The Tuesday edition of the show. And as usual, it's one of the segments that I look forward to the most. Uh, It may not be, I don't know, the most popular with everybody because, you know, it seems like everybody who's on talk radio, all they ever want to talk about is the politics and the problems. And it becomes like the daily bitch session over something. Uh, We'd like to talk about other things. We try and talk about solutions, but we also try and talk about yourself and getting yourself right. And even, gasp, being happy with where you're at while trying to stretch for more. And maybe that's uh, maybe that's why I enjoy having Chris on so much each and every week. Uh, he comes on and gives us a little bit of insight. i got to be honest, I really enjoyed our conversation last week, Chris, uh, about your books and your authorship and uh, the genesis of that. I thought that was a fun discussion. I really enjoyed that. Thanks for uh, doing it.
3: Well, and I will say this, Michael, that um, I watched the sales tick up that day and the following day, and I have to say thank you. I think it was well, interesting to see a corollary. I that's not why we discussed it, but I thought, well, that's an interesting impact because when you do know more about the genesis of a piece of art, or even kind of what what's you know what it might look like or sound like. Uh, People are more interested. So I appreciated the opportunity. I had a great time as well.
2: Yeah, no, I thought it was, it's always interesting, especially to see a little bit of a different side of a guest um, who normally comes on to do one thing, but then you kind of pivot and show some of the other stuff. Uh, I thought it was, uh, it's always enjoyable. I just, uh, you know, I enjoy that kind of slice of life stuff. Uh, I don't do it as much on this program as I should uh, simply because I enjoy it more. Uh, but we'll we'll we're working on that. We're working on that. I've I'm working on Mark Cameron right now. Is supposed to be. I mean, he's super busy right now. But he's supposed to be working on a list of Alaskan uh authors for me, so that I can do more interviews with uh, uh Alaskan authors, or as I did with James Bartlett the other uh, a couple months ago, uh authors who are writing about Alaska, which I think is uh, also an interesting topic. But
3: you know, it's, there's a great guy uh called John Mualland, John Mualland like the cow, Moo Allen. And he wrote a book called, um, oh, shoot. I can't remember. It's here in my library. Uh, oh, Chance. Chance? Yeah. I think it's, anyways, about a radio, a gal like, the KFQD, I believe in Anchorage during the 64 earthquake was maybe the only station to still remain on the air and her, her broadcasting all the way through the 64 earthquake. And uh, he, you would enjoy talking to him. I've had him as a guest and I just reached out to him not that long ago. And I said, John, thinking about your book, wow, it would make an incredible Netflix series or a Hulu series or right. Vic, which is the least evil streaming network and um, <laughs> and do it there. It is so incredible. it's so well written. it is like a um, it's a story I mean my I, I had a lot of family here in Alaska at that time. I had no clue about this sl- slice of it through the eyes of this one woman who, um, saved lives, connected people. I mean, radio was really the hero of the story, but it's also Alaska Alaskans right. stepping up, and it's a great book. I'll send you his contact. He's yeah, send me his,
2: send me about. his contact info. I'd love to love to have a conversation about that. It'd be interesting. Um, all right, well let's uh, let's figure out uh, what 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 do you have for us today as far as topics uh, for our positivity segment, our betterment segment. What uh, what's on your mind, Mister Story? Times
3: like these. I'm thinking a lot about times like these and the idea that boy, it's never been I mean in some ways it's never been worse. We're at the we're at the edges of war in, in three places. We're at an economic war, we're at a political war in in fighting, and it seems that divisiveness is never since the civil war been been greater here in this country. And right it just seems like, man. And then Paul Harvey's voice and words wash over me. The thing about times like these is there have always been times like these. And so it made me think about uh, something I'd read a, Mother Teresa had written. Something, I call it an essay. Other people refer to it as a poem. But it, it's, a, it's a series of just stanzas that I thought, why don't we just go through this? Because this is timeless advice. Sure. This is pre-social media. This is pre-digital age. This is just literal advice that you can take into every aspect of your life. She opens with, people are unreasonable illogical and self-centered forgive them anyway
2: <laughs> wait what it's is, like i feel attacked wait 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 a second what was that illogical unreasonable and self-centered. unreasonable
3: yeah forgive them anyway because you know who you know who people are you me she's referring to humanity we can be unreasonable illogical self-centered we should forgive them anyway like it's it's like um you know, Ronald Reagan said, "It's not that the liberals are are wrong; it's just so much of what they know is wrong." Or, or I can't remember the exact quote, but it's that idea that we can still forgive yourself as well. And I think that's one of the harder aspects of that line to to employ is actually forgiving yourself for having ever been unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered because we all are. We have all of these facets among us. So the next line is: If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives be kind anyway. Isn't that the truth? And especially when you're on, we joke around, there's, a, there's a, 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 a cesspool called Homer Communications. It's a page on Facebook. And you could you could go in there and say, um, I found a $20 bill and I just want to make sure it goes back to the right owner. And you will have 50% of the, the people that are in that group attack you. They'll attack the monetary system. They'll attack every and it just suddenly turns into this. I was just trying to do something good. Be kind anyway. Do good anyway. I think Mother Teresa's right on
2: about that.
0: They
3: will people will accuse you of being selfish and having ulterior motives. When you're kind, be kind anyway.
2: That uh that group, by the way, is uh I just I, I I bring the popcorn every time I open up that group because I want to stay connected to Homer, my adopted hometown, and I always want to see what's going on. But, boy, the second you open up that group, you're like, oh, here we go. Here
3: we go. Well, and that's what, you know, when you think about it, that's it's social media in general. And social media isn't just Facebook or Twitter or Twitch or TikTok or the Instagram, whatever. It's Yelp reviews. It is Uber it is google reviews it is everything that we use these engines that have been designed to allow people to express themselves in a way that it can feel as though you matter or what you've done is something worthy or notable or no it's it's not at all it's gone it's like the time it's like the sands uh, of a low tide beach you're going to be gone at high tide it's not real and yet we feel as though if you look at that, if you just looked at at homework communications, for example, or pick pick one. I'm sure Saldana, I'm sure every, everybody listening probably has one of these dumpster fires in their own backyard that social media is allowed for this this to go on. Suddenly you think Man, we're a bunch of mean people. No. It's not, it's just uh, the keyboard warriors get to (laughs) employ some kind of a sense of meaning or it it allows to, to, it appeals to to our lower nature. Right. uh, And it's not, it's not reflective of what life is really like. And if you think about these things, like her next line and Mother Teresa's next line is, if you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies succeed anyway.
2: That's true. I mean, you will. I mean, you're always gonna. I always felt like, well, somebody's gonna be mad one way or the other, uh, and mm-hmm. so. But you you got to persevere. You got to just keep going on. It's for. I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it for my family. Whatever you know that I'm trying to succeed in, uh, and some people are gonna be happy and some people aren't, and you really can't control that. So you just got to go anyway.
3: Yeah, and it's it's like. It's on Silicon Valley, which is a pretty hilarious little sitcom that aired a few years back. the billionaire was talking about how because you just the problem with being a billionaire is you never know if you have real treasure to disaster your money. And uh, so I love this line and reflection in reflection of that. You know, if you're successful, you'll win some false friends and some true enemies succeed anyway. There's this idea that if if somebody has succeeded, somehow they're harming somebody else. It's right. like Reagan said I can get this correct, If the fat man standing next to the thin man, and some people feel like he, he had to get that way by taking food from the thin man, and it's just not the way it works. Right. You know, you're talking about the mandatory minimum wage and so forth, and it's like that, you cannot regulate success. You cannot bring government or regulation into the picture and, and guarantee or, or propagate success in a real market space. Right. And so these things happen. You will win some false friends and some true enemies because, jealousy is out there. But as she says, Mother Teresa says, succeed anyway.
0: Well,
2: yeah, success is not a zero-sum game. It's not because one person succeeded. That means that the other person now doesn't have the ability to succeed. It's not taking away from anybody else. But that's kind of what's been perpetrated out there. Uh, And I think a lot of it's just envy and jealousy uh, and and aversion to hard work, I think, is a lot of it. Uh, But like you say, you're going to offend somebody, so you might as well succeed anyway, right? You just offended me.
3: Her next line is,
2: if you're honest and frank,
3: people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. This is really hard stuff. This is really simple. And yet at the same time, you could probably teach an entire uh, you know, high-level college course on just these simple lines from a humble woman who gave her life to service. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. All of these things are prescriptive of what I think the good life is, what a quality of life is, and what you'll be remembered for. Maya Angelou said, they'll forget what you did, they'll forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And so if you're honest and frank, you may get cheated. You may lose opportunities. You may, may alienate some people. Be honest and frank anyway.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've had that. I'll be honest with you. I mean, just to put it into a true. I've had that happen on the program where I have had I've said some things. I've been honest. I've been frank and I have lost uh, business on the other side uh, outside of the show simply because I was honest and frank on the show. And I just looked at that as part of the cost of doing business of being a lot. I'm not going to temper my beliefs or, you know, or melleate my beliefs by just simply to make sure that I make money somewhere else. That just, that doesn't, you got to be true to yourself. Otherwise it just feels disingenuous. You got to be genuine to yourself.
3: The next line is what you spend years building. Someone could destroy overnight build anyway. Isn't that the truth? I mean, you, you can spend your lifetime building something up or working towards, endeavoring towards something, a goal creation of something that could be destroyed overnight. Hello, COVID, 2020, hello, businesses, restaurants, other than the French Laundry, of course, where Gavin Newsom can dine during the lockdown, (laughs) uh, could be destroyed overnight. And that that line probably meant something different to people building businesses prior to 2020. Wait a minute, destroyed overnight, yep. Uh, How about the Alaskan governor creating mandates? Which, has he ever answered for that, Michael? Have you ever talked to the governor, uh, Governor Dunleavy, about whether or not he regrets those mandates and destroyed people's businesses and livelihoods overnight, or no, does, we, does he we, still stand tall for them? Or? we
2: I don't think we've had a discussion on that. In fact, I don't think we've had a discussion about much about anything in the last year, so yeah, uh, yeah no, I don't think we've ever really had a discussion about that.
3: Just let's put a pin in that, because wouldn't that be an interesting conversation? We kind of have all moved on, and things have change but let's let's not forget the the mandates that he the dick you know the dictatorship that became our state wow it's just that and mother Teresa is bringing that out of me What well, you spend years building someone could destroy overnight building yeah. okay put a, put a pin in the standing tall for mandates uh that would make a great segment title though maybe you could get dave steering or somebody from his administration because he's busy i get it but uh, standing tall <laughs> but maybe you could get somebody else he's there. standing all tall right, in the on.
2: corner yep exactly all right it, if
3: you find serenity and happiness, others may be jealous. Be happy anyway. Every now and then, if you ever watch, see somebody that's got, so you and I do a multitude of things. We don't just do a job. We wear multiple hats. So do you ever feel at the end of the day or the week or the quarter of the month or the year, you just feel like oh, like thin, stretched out, and like, and you see somebody that just has, like, a lot less going on and they're just so happy and you're like, oh, <laughs> wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't that be wonderful? Uh, if you find serenity and happiness, others may be jealous of that. Be happy anyway. I think that's excellent advice.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I have been, and as I get older, I find myself feeling a little more thin, you know, stretched thin a little bit more on things. But at the same time, if I looked at – see, this is my mindset. I guess if I looked at somebody that was doing less and they were satisfied and happy, I'd go, well, I could stop doing some of these things, but would that make me happy? And the answer to that would be no, because then I would feel like I'm not stretching. So I guess that if, you're, if your goal is to stretch yourself and do more, then you could probably anticipate feeling a little thin. But that goes back to how we react to our circumstances in it. Cause that's the only thing we can control, right? I mean, we chose, you and I chose to be busy people. You and I chose not to work the regular nine to five and punch the clock only, but to do other things as well. And, uh, yeah, it's a little stressful sometimes. Yeah. It's a little nail biting sometimes, but at the same time, can you imagine just punching the clock nine? To, I mean, to me, that would be Akin to being in prison, I guess is probably the closest thing that I can think of in that in that uh, time frame.
3: Mm. It's interesting. We're going through an exercise, Tiffany and I, of um, studying our values, what we value, in alignment with the goals that we set and the things that we wish to accomplish, and <clears throat> creative and business and otherwise, and in family, the whole nine yards, and that really speaks to me when she talks about serenity and happiness if you find serenity and happiness the search for serenity and the pursuit of happiness is is a big part of the joy of life and and kind of no matter how how old you are that continued pursuit i think is laudable and just this idea of what are you that what are your values if you value free time and yet your goals are to accomplish you know 38 things in the next 28 days you may want to Look at that. You know, what are you sure you value this? And if you do, if you really value, you know, uh, X dollars in the bank surplus or whatever it is, are you in alignment with that with your actions right. and so forth? So that's to me, serenity and happiness come with studying your values. What do you value, and what are you doing that is in alignment with those? Are your actions supporting right. what you say? Value that's a great exercise. Um, she continues the good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway, <laughs> you, right? Do good anyway, yeah,
2: do good anyway. Uh, and her, her last line
3: is maybe the most powerful if you give the world the best you've got, it may never be enough. Give the world the best you've got anyway.
2: I, I mean, that's a very, I, I have never heard this essay or poem or whatever but uh it makes sense it makes sense i mean we have to do this is basically in spite of everything that goes on do what you need to do anyway be good do good put that out in the world anyway because there's always going to be naysayers there's always going to be things like that um and this is it's powerful that's a it's a powerful statement i like this and that
3: idea of her opening line people are often unreasonable illogical self-centered forgive them anyway I really want to put an emphasis on forgive them anyway, including yourself, because I think that we're maybe as individuals holding some baggage from things we did, didn't do, wish we'd done, wish we'd said or not said. And I think it's important to take a minute and just let go and forgive yourself, forgive others that have trespassed you, not living in a life of victimhood. and and blaming generations. There's a, uh, Norman Vincent Peale tells a great story about meeting two brothers. They're a year apart in age. One brother's an alcoholic. The other brother is a teetotaler. Michael, that means he just doesn't touch alcohol. Right, right, right. So he asked the first brother, okay, I'll, I'll mansplain it to you later. So, oh, that could be another book, mansplaining. mansplaining. (laughs) Okay. So he asked the first brother is why are you an alcoholic? Well, my father was an alcoholic, so, oh, okay. Second brother was a teetotaler. Why are you a teetotaler? Well, my father was an alcoholic, so I became a teetotaler. <laughs> you know, we all, we all have influences and things in our life. If we can forgive those generations ahead, the people that have done us wrong, and move forward. Uh, I think, you know, in our life and forgive ourselves and forgive other people around us. I think we'll be far better off as people and in the country.
2: Chris Story, the man from Homer. You can find him at ilovehomeralaska.com. He's also on the air on KPEN down in the peninsula, 1 p.m. today and on Thursdays. Uh, Chris Story, thank you, my friend. As always, it's good to talk with you. Appreciate you coming on board.
0: My uh, pleasure. Thank you.
2: Hold the line. Folks, we're out of time. we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
0: Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook live and michael
2: okay Chris story final bite at the Apple Mr story final bite at the Apple uh that's that's good stuff I like that I had not heard that from Mother Teresa before I'll have to go back up and search that up but um, it's uh you know do good in spite of everything that comes against you um yeah yeah it's yeah, these, these are all forces. Everything she's talking about are just
3: basically not much different than gravitational force on you. You know, get up anyway. You know, gravity's gonna pull you back down, get up anyway, walk anyway, go somewhere, do something. People will say what they're gonna say, they're gonna behave the way they're gonna behave, they're gonna they're gonna criticize you anyway. So do what you wanna do. You know, put your art into the world. We were talking about my books last week. Um, I am under no illusion that I'm up for any sort of literary prize, Pulitzer Prize or otherwise, or Nobel Peace Prize for my writings. I'm writing what I want to and putting it into the world. And I'm open for criticism and I will and have been criticized. I do it anyway. I don't care. I do it for myself because it's my, it's art. I consider it art. And in fact, I consider business as in life art. And so for, for that matter, um, You know, there's, if you think about it like gravity, all of the negative forces she talked about, or the negative consequences of of doing good or being successful, or all the things that could come with that in this digital social media age or otherwise, doesn't matter. Think of it as gravity, it's always been there irrespective of how it comes at you. Are you watching the the hot dog gate here in Homer, Michael, on Homer <laughs> I saw, I saw a little bit of that.
2: Dogs. I saw a little bit of that. And I'm just, all I can think of is like, man, it's a free market. If you don't want to buy his $15 hot dog, don't no, buy his $15 hot dog. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But it just seems much ado about nothing, quite honestly. It seems like people bitching to bitch.
3: If you were to just apply this poem to that situation, this essay for mother's research in that situation from both sides you know from both sides here's a guy yelling at people for their opinions here's a bunch of people giving him opinions which didn't ask for necessarily it's just one of those things if you were to just look at the slice of life in social media and go oh man i'd never start a business in that i think i just am so grateful that social media wasn't around when i started my first business 30 years ago like <laughs> You know, you make mistakes, or you're a human being, or people have opinions and don't right. like you, or right. whatever. And then, and then, social media just amplifies it and allows. But if you look at all of these stanzas of her essay, and just say, do it anyway, start your business
2: anyway, <laughs> write your write your book anyway. I would just say on hot dog gate. First and foremost, don't ask for things if you're not ready for, uh, you know, don't ask for things on social media if you're not ready for the actual poo parade that's about to happen. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, if you ask somebody, my wife made some kind of comment anonymously on some group, and she said, I knew that this was going to raise questions, but it was just anonymous. She just asked, is there any restaurants out there that um, allow you to bring your dogs to, like, the outdoor patio? right? To like the outdoor patio area. So you could eat outside. (laughs) And she immediately got ripped to shreds about how dare Mm -hmm. you bring a dog to a restaurant and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And and all she was saying was, is there an outdoor patio space, you know, but it doesn't matter because people, they love to be, they love to be outraged and that's what it's all, you know, that's what it's all uh, going on about. It's just crazy. So.
3: And if you're going to do something in the world, expect that like a gravitational force do it anyway and you know to your point maybe don't go looking for it but if it comes your way you know deal with it as best you can if somebody puts out something that is uh negative and a- inaccurate then fine correct the record and uh and do it with do it with some class and kindness and move on but yeah all, all of these things to say even in this digital age if you like for example i'm not on that that page and so i just hear about it from other people and I'm like, man, I had no clue this was going on. I had no clue. It's such a refreshing, fresh air space to live, clueless. Yeah, <laughs> Just, exactly. You know, living your life and and moving on. And and I'm sure that there's things that um, you know, are said about me. Oh, in fact, I know there are. There's one particular guy that has this. He can't stand my show. He can't stand. He can't even stand the way I say Homer Alaska. When I say, you know, on top of the world in Homer, Alaska, you can't stand it. He post about it. Like, I don't care. I'm not all right. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do my show anyway because there's somebody out there that that needs it and wants it. So I'm going to put my work into the world no matter what.
2: Yeah, you can't let the naysayers get you down. I mean, there's always going to be, no matter what you're doing, there's always going to be somebody out there fighting against it for whatever reason their own reasons whether rational or not they're going to be so you just can't let you can't let people stand in your way on that you just got to keep going
3: michael do you get the babylon b newsletter
2: uh i occasionally get it in my feed uh occasionally yeah, and, right. and i laughed i tried the,
3: the email is amazing it says like today's uh headline was police investigating a corpse that washed up on delaware beach and it's uh at rehoboth beach it's biden his <laughs> he's laying on the sun all
2: right take it easy all right bud i'll see you later thanks Be so fine. much you. you gotta have that fun you gotta have it all right folks we are out of time for this segment we got more coming up i actually have a line on hold apparently somebody really really wanted to talk to me so we're going to jump into that the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio like and share like and follow do all the youtubey thing oh youtube i didn't tell you I only need 40 more. Here we go. Okay, you guys ready? One final segment here of the program this morning, finishing up with Chris' story. Some good stuff there. Some good stuff there. Um, let's just uh, let's just uh, jump on board here and see what you guys have to say. Uh, I left the phone lines open during the uh, break, and uh, somebody called in. So let's see what uh, let's see what they want to talk about here before we proceed ahead with whatever I was going to talk about. Uh, we'll go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Are you there? Mm, Final chance, caller. Are you there? Uh, Apparently, apparently not. Apparently, they're not there. They're just, they called in and apparently just put the phone down. So there you go. All right. So, anyway, I guess I'll leave the phone lines open 907 433 3150. 907 433 3150. You know, Chris, uh, I think, makes a lot of valid points uh, with his uh, Mother Teresa analysis there. You know, people are going to be mad. I mean, we people are going to be negative. We see it. I mean, we see it here on the program. We see, you know, there some listeners are happy. Some listeners, all they want to do is complain about what we're doing, that somehow we're not doing it right. Uh, There's always going to be people out there that uh, love it or hate it one way or the other. That doesn't stop you from the responsibility of keeping on, keep on keeping on. Right. You, you still got to do the right thing. You still got to do the things in the way that you can, uh, uh, the way that you uh, perceive them as being, uh, doing the right thing, I guess is what I'm saying on that. Uh, and, and people are going to be mad and social media. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I would have been watching this thing on the Homer communications group, uh, it is, a, they call it, they're calling it the hot dog wars or hot dog gate or whatever that is down there. Some gourmet shop down in Homer started, some gourmet hot dog shop started in Homer. And he started asking for advice, which was his first mistake. Uh, he asked for some opinions on a group that is historically negative in nature. Um, I mean, I love Homer but boy, if you were part of the Homer Communications Group, it is not, it is not a, a Convention and Visitors Bureau approved for showing you what Homer actually looks like. I don't think people are are, I don't think they're as harsh as they are in that group. But this first problem was actually asking for uh, advice, soliciting advice from the group, and then being offended and shocked and and reviled on the. Gr- He's just shocked about how it can all go on down there. Uh, but it, 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 you know, that's, that's your first mistake, but social media in and of itself, although it is a fantastic tool for many different things, it is definitely not for the faint of heart. Uh, there's something about the anonymity of the internet. Uh, and this was especially true back before you, most people were using their real names, when it was just, you know, screen names or usernames or whatever. And they would say some of the most outlandish stuff. And, of course, that's translated slowly over into social media. I've seen things that people have said on social media that when you actually talk to them face-to-face, they would never say to you face-to-face. But they somehow feel empowered when they're in the privacy of their car or home or bathroom or wherever, and they're just madly typing away on their phone or their laptop or whatever. They just feel encouraged. Um, that uh, they could just say whatever they absolutely want, and it's you know it, again it's kind of led to the death of civility in uh, in our society uh, in a lot of ways. And uh, I don't know why people are shocked when it still happens. I don't know why you would uh, solicit uh, you would solicit criticism and then be shocked shocked. I tell you, when they uh, when people do criticize you after you've solicited that. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy stuff, but it's, I think it's a commentary on society as a whole, uh, for where we're going. And yes, it's a long winded diatribe about what's going on in social media, but I think it's important. It's a part of our daily life. I mean, I broadcast on social media every day. Uh, how much time do I spend on it outside of that? Not much because there's just not a whole lot. That I mean, well, <clears throat> I guess I shouldn't say that because I do spend some time on it occasionally, cleaning my social media up so I don't see a bunch of random negative stuff um, on either on my side of the political. I mean, there's I I have blocked or unfollowed people that are on in my camp, right? That are on my side of the fence simply because the way they present themselves to the world is so negative. Because who's got time for that? Who's got time for that kind of negativity? Uh, I mean, I think my I think my social media feed at this point uh, is made up more of, uh, you know, food recipes, Dungeons and Dragons stuff, uh, some gun stuff, some video game stuff and movies. That's pretty much all my social media feed is right now. And I'm happy with that because I don't need to know all the other stuff and everybody's political opinion on it. You know, it just it becomes tiring. And it's a wonder why we're all on edge and we're all kind of at each other's throats because we don't seem to be able to find the middle ground on the things that we can agree on versus the things that we disagree on. Uh, And that's it's a little disappointing, little, little disappointing that that's where we're at today. But all we can do is keep fighting it. And as Chris said, um, you know, keep doing the good stuff anyway. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Is essentially what the whole Mother Teresa thing was all about. What we've been saying: just because people are going to be upset with you, or despise you, or throw tomatoes at you, or whatever, don't, don't, uh, you know, don't grow weary in that uh, in that well doing. Because there's people out there who are going to throw tomatoes no matter what. I mean, we got it in the chat room right now, uh, who will criticize you on everything from uh, the cut of your jib to your weight to whatever it is. Uh, they find joy in that. They they find some sense of satisfaction in that. And it doesn't matter that that makes them, you know, in some people makes some smaller people. But it's just it's just the way of the world. That's how people are. It's the human condition. Human condition. That's that's what it's all about. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's program, we will be joined in hour two by State Senator Mike Schauer. Uh, he'll be coming on board to share with us. How it's been going post-session, post, uh, post uh, session, uh, if he has uh, recovered from uh, the battle that took place in there, uh, and what he sees coming up for the upcoming session and the battles that are yet to come. Uh, so we get a chance, we give him a little bit of a breather, and now give him a chance to recuperate and come back and talk with us tomorrow. So State Senator Mike Schauer will be joining us tomorrow in the second hour. Working on uh, some other stuff for later this week, Uh, I think Mayor Dave Bronson actually wants to come on the program and talk with us uh, about some stuff as well. His second is two years in office, celebrating now his second year in office. So we'll talk about that as well, and we'll see, uh, maybe this week we'll see if we get a chance to talk to them about that as well. So. Okay, well, that was it. Two hours of uh, fun times and radio and good stuff and hopefully some positivity. And hopefully you enjoyed it and you just didn't find it to be painful. If it was, I'm sorry. But I had a good time. And hopefully we shared it all out there. All right. We got to go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Okay, my friends, well, I know not all of you are happy. I can't control that. Only you can control that. (laughs) It's like I said the other day, some people just want to watch the world burn and they just want to pour gasoline on it. That's who they are. That's okay, I guess, as long as you acknowledge that and know that, you're good to go. All right. We got to fly. We will see you tomorrow, my friends. Have a great day.